I'd rather have dicks for fingers. Would you? Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. want a finger for a dick, would you? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Ian Holloway podcast, which has a new home with us at JMP on our new Real Talk channel. And what's next for you? Which set of fans are going to abuse you next? Yeah, that's what happens, isn't it? Most of the time. Uh, don't know yet. Looking forward to uh, having a little bit of time. Uh, got to get the house sorted out. We've uh, got to move out of the rented accommodation up there and then get back down here and see where we go. But I'm um, looking forward to the next bit, whatever happens. Good to talk to you again. I haven't seen you for a while. Nice to get out of the house. And it's Joe's over there. He comes in whenever he likes, doesn't he, Joe? Yeah, that's pretty Did, much how it works. not be bothered last time, could he? <laughs> we had Colin Murray here. He couldn't be bothered. Cheers, Joe. I don't want to be upstaged, that's all. Oh. Uh, here's a question do you think obviously kind of before you went to the G Club yeah um, we were doing quite a lot of work have you doing a lot of podcasts you were doing a lot of media work um, have you are you at a point or maybe at a crossroads where you're like do I go back into football management or do I have involvement in football in any way shape or form or do I kind of pursue my media career yeah it's a media career, is it? Have I got, have I got one there? <laughs> I mean, you can call it what you want. Soundbite career, I don't um, know. Yeah, I, I'm having lots of think, uh, lots of time to think about things. And obviously, I've, um, because of the lockdown, I got life experiences, haven't I? Which which have been pretty radical, if you think about it. I've been a player, I've been a manager, I've been a uh, pundit. It's a terrible word, isn't it? We've got to think of a different word, a pundit. I mean, good God. But I, I've i had an opportunity to do some Zoom calls and um, did one the other day with Millfield School. I'm going to do one with a college in Bristol. And I want to make sure that that enthusiasm that I try and bring to my team and to my crowd and to what, that that goes somewhere that it will land on and won't grow. That's, that's what floats my boat. So... Um, yeah, I, I want to try and use my life's experience to try and give someone else a lift and a leg up and see if they can get going and, and then pick and choose what I do when I do it and spend some wonderful time at home with my favourite person in the world, Mrs H. She deserves that. She's lucky enough to deserve that. You know what I mean? You've met her. Yeah, she's an absolute delight. I think she's very patient. Yeah, that's that's the best word to describe it. Gonna fall out, right? She's she's the filter you need, I think. Totally, yeah. We all need somebody, don't we, to not bounce off of, just to. She almost a controlling factor, and I think that was my favourite bit when you came out and did the real boss, and I hardly said a word, did I? Because she just yeah. slaughtered me everywhere. That's what it's like every day at home. Why would I agree with you? Because that made two of us wrong. That's what she says. <laughs> We've got some questions. Um, the first one is from Mitchell Cole, who says, if you had to take one manager you faced in your career to chasers, who would it be and why? To chasers? What, do I want them to get stuck on the carpet? <laughs> do I? <laughs> stuck on that sticky floor up there. Um, I think it'd be Mick McCarthy. I just... No, and Neil Warnock. I'd take the both of them because 
I mean, we we've been there, seen it, done it. The the, the lot of us, and uh, we've had probably enough rows on the on the line to to sink a battleship. And I'd like to buy him a a drink and apologise to him, really, <laughs> for some of the things I've said. I don't know. It wasn't your fault. What would the theme of the night be with the three of you in a? Um, I I don't know. It, well, Neil, I, Neil Warnock said I Mick's got my Cardiff job now, so I'm you know because he wasn't happy with with some of the things Neil Harris said. So it really, I think we get a little bit of banter between the three of us. I got to say, you know, probably Mick would sort the both of us out, wouldn't he? You know, I probably need a bouncer to keep me and me and Neil off each other. The managers outside of when you're working, generally, do they do they get on? Do you have kind of good relationships? And do you have bad relationships with other managers you just don't um, talk about? The, the, listen, it, you try and be professional. You actually generally, um, you can't get that close unless you go on a course. And the ones you're friendly with and you've normally been on a course with or you you, you know a bit and you, you know, or you, you have an extra long bit chat with them after or a big game comes up and you gain more respect for the other one. So, you know, I don't, I don't, really think I've fallen out that many times with with others but you don't really socialize as that to be fair it's just if you played against each other a long time you get a general feeling for them and you know where you go but it's uh you understand how they feel that's that's the thing you've got something in common with them you know and uh I suppose it's a bit like if you've got problems and you go and share them with someone else and you feel better because you're not the only one with yeah. those problems so you understand how a manager feels and you understand how they look and I, I like them for probably different reasons one of them's as fiery as a, a cricket on a log and that log's really hot and he's ready to jump off at you that's Neil and the other one's probably ice cold and laid back and not bothered Big Mick but you know it's both it, of them it's as just, well yeah it's just your take on who they are and how they are and, and and as you go and as you develop over the years you get pleasantly surprised he's not as bad as I actually thought he was and then he's actually quite nice and do you know what I mean and I know me and Mick fell out over one thing once it was about you said about my team and I, I when I was at Blackpool I changed my team I said well Mick McCarthy do you try to get me in trouble I said I didn't mean it like that I, you know what I mean so anyway he forgave me which was good because I wouldn't have wanted to upset him. So it's uh, it's something in common that you 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 all have. All three of us have had sort of longevity in it and done different things. So you know, for me, Neil's like fascinating as well because he's like seventy now and he still wants to do it. And you know, he's I think he's going for the the most promotions anyone's ever got, and I hope he gets there. You know, and that, and that takes some doing to be doing it as long as he's done it. So cycles to training as well. Seen that video of him cycling into yeah. training. Yeah, fair play to him. He looks great, doesn't he? Yeah, both of them have got very strong gifts as well. You have to explain what a gif is. Now. What do you mean? What's the? I mean, it's like a short little video clip of something they've done. Obviously, Mick's got that stare to camera, and uh, Neil's got that kind of almost Liam Gallagher movement towards camera. Have you seen those? Not really. I've never no, noticed well. that. No, it's just you with your your TV head on, isn't it? No, I mean, I What's mean, every... mine, have I got any of that or not? You, you'll probably have plenty. What about the dancing in the dressing room? I'm guessing. Well, mine. 
yeah, I got some moves on it. Yours is the one with the tactics board where you wink at the camera. Yes. Oh, is it that? Is, is it? Yeah. 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 Don't know what, I don't know what that's all about. I remember doing it. That was we tried to beat our owners one with his Air Asia, and we did those standing. St- it was brilliant. We even actually hung a ball on a fishing wire, and we taped up. <laughs> we actually we actually cling filmed uh, <laughs> Jamie Mackey. It was like weird and quite surreal. <laughs> He's like a turkey. A lot, a lot of work goes into a gift then. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of follow up on that question, if, you, if you're if you at a point as manager, because like a lot of young managers will have like uh, someone that say, Ollie, a phone up Sir Alex, for example, at Man United. Did you have um, a manager, a fellow manager, when you were struggling that you just kind of pick up the phone to and talk to? I've always had Jerry Francis there, always. Um, obviously, Tony Pulis is a friend of mine as well, bounce things off of him but um, when I was young I, I rang three managers to ask what's the most important thing you can ever tell me and one of them was um, Watford Graham Taylor Graham Taylor yeah Graham Taylor I forgot because I can't remember he'd be even have time to speak to me do you know what I mean Graham Taylor asked him what to do with a problem what do you think um, and he was brilliant got all the time in the world for you um, Kevin Keegan I spoke to about one of my players and then I asked him one or two things about his management and his style which was great he probably won't even remember the call but that's what happened and um, Bobby Gould what do you think I asked him and at the time I, I just didn't get on with him when I was a player absolutely unbelievable I was arguing with him because he kept, didn't pick me when I wanted him to pick me and he explained that that was his job to do what he felt was right and I should not be knocking on his door <laughs> but you just ask him what you think and he was on about scouting you know and and always the great thing is is if you've seen it in know what you want in a player and if you see it don't doubt it that means he can do it don't see him ten times and judge the nine times he can't do it. If he does what you think, take him. Brilliant advice. You know? So. The rest is history. The rest is history, really. You know, then you've got other people that you just can't wait to speak to. And like Stuart Pierce, it's a different class from me. I just love Stuart Pierce. I, li- I could listen to him for hours. You know? I think he's absolutely fantastic, Piercy. Even so. when he picked 12 players in his first. Yeah. That's the brilliant thing, isn't it? Because you won't want to tell him, uh, Stu, that's 12. Because he'd kill you. Psycho. What's the um, post-match glass of wine thing? Is that is that real in the Premier League? What, what was what was it like when you were at Blackpool? Would, would you go in and have a drink with Sir Alex Ferguson and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, we, we got some crystal glasses brought into our to my office here at Blackpool because of Sir Al. But I, we, I couldn't change the wine. They wouldn't give me any of the good wine because... Carl was too tight but he was happy because he came back from being 2-0 down and 1-3-2 so but um, was that in the back of your mind that you were going to have a glass of wine with him so you want him to come into the office relatively happy so maybe let him have that no you don't I can't I wasn't happy that we just lost you know because we were robbed we should have had a penalty and I I told him that and he was had a smile on his face because he's used to winning isn't he but he wasn't smiling when we were 2-0 up but he was very complimentary of how we played but there you go but 
Yeah, it, it's mem- it's memories that you you know. But people, they say you're up against him. It's not like that. It it isn't like that. You know, when you get to the top and where they are, you're up against God knows who. You know, because Liverpool they have now got a throw in and set piece coach, so Klopp doesn't even have to do that. That's a huge part of normal manager's day. That is. Sorting that out. You imagine what Sir Alec would have put in place in the... That's why he did it so long and he delegated. Absolutely delegated, but he knew he was on top of everything, you know? That's the amazing thing about him. So it was a joy to have said that I've had a drink with him. They won't remember it. Capello. Uh, he spoke to me once. Said, get out of the way. <laughs> that's, that's actually in his autobiography. Yeah, he wrote he references in the, uh, you. I, I saw some big-nosed little... Hunchback in the in the corridor didn't realise it was uh, Plymouth's manager. Move, get out of the way. We only lost one nil though. That was a that was a moment. Another question about managers from Simon Blood. Do you feel that management cycles for the likes of Bruce, Pardew, Allardyce, etc., where they go from club to club, have restricted new managers from taking the reins for British clubs? It's almost you know that is that cycle of that merry-go-round. Um, is it maybe stopping some younger managers from, from getting a chance? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have got an opportunity if it wasn't the cheapest option. I did two jobs for the price of one, didn't I? That's what they, they play our managers. So, you know, um, I, I think that's a bit disrespectful to, to those particular managers, to be honest with you. Um, you know, everybody deserves a chance and, how you get your first chance or how you get your first job is is the thing. Um, and that's the most difficult one to get. So, you know, Frank Lampard, for example, because he's news of the week, isn't he? Losing his job at Chelsea, but the first job he did it at Derby was, I thought, sensational. You know? But he got it because he was such a good player. And is that the fair way of getting it? Probably not. I got it because I was incredibly fit. The fitness coach knew that, told Rovers, and in the end, I ended up getting that position. So, would I would I have ever got it going down a different line? Would I have got it if, to be fair, if I was a board director, I would probably choose experience over inexperience, to be perfectly honest with you, because the most most of the time in life, you need a knowledge of what you're doing, um, and that is to change and to recruit new players to get your team better because you're normally changing hands when you're in trouble, aren't you? So, yes, they do get in the way, but the reason they're getting in the way is because they've got a very good track record. If you don't like them, that's your prerogative. But I know them, and I'm a manager, and I know what it's like, and I think they've done brilliant to uh, get as many jobs as they have. Just on Frank, so what is he, 40, Frank Lampard? A little bit older. 40, and he's, it's his second managerial job. If you're Frank, what's, your, what's the next job you take from there? Because he's going to have to do kind of... He he was at the pinnacle in that job for him. Uh, I'd be devastated if I was Frank. But as Absolutely. A, as a managerial career, it's a, it's a long career, hopefully, what's his next step, do you think? Well, uh, what, what are you going to think is good enough now, if you're Frank? Exactly. 
you know, to, to do that, to take that on as early as he did, um, was brave. Um, I thought he did a magnificent job. And again, I got to reiterate the experience you need to spend money is not easy to do the first time you ever get money to spend. You know, how long is as how long has he had to look at the players that he signed? Can he compare them with, or has he just picked up Chelsea's uh, scouting network? And how well does he know that chief scout that he works with? Because you have to know, they have to know what you want big time. I've worked with Gary Penroyce for years on and off. And he he would not even ask me. He knows exactly what I'd be looking for and he'd know where they are. And, you know, so that's so difficult. So um, God knows what Frank's going to do after that. I thought him and Jody worked brilliantly together, particularly with young players. What they did at, at Derby was sensational. And without the money to spend, which is unlike Chelsea, just because of, you know, without the money to spend, I thought he did a brilliant job. Another question, Tom Chambers asks, what's the weirdest manager job interview you've had and what club was it? The weirdest manager job interview? Wow. Um, yeah, I've I got to go back to me. Blackpool one is quite a, a, a story. I've dri driven four and a half hours. He hadn't even got a suit on. I got my suit on, I got my tie on and I ended up buying the coffee because I knew how tight he was. I mean, that's... so, And I knew it was coming. So, you know, and I interviewed him in the end. You know, I had four or five questions that I looked online, looked at what the fans were saying about him, and I asked him, and, and I liked his answer. So I sat there having, having interviewed him, and I asked him, have you got any questions for me? And he went, um, well, no, not really. You've you've sort of shown me what you're all about. And then he went to the toilet. The bloke he was with, Matt Williams, said, here's the I said, what do you mean? Is it a contract? I'm being offered it. And he wanted me to look at it. And I just put it in my book. I said, no, no, I'll be driving back now. So he, that's weird. I said, I don't even want to talk about that now. Didn't expect you to show me something now. You know, so anyway, he comes back and I'm going. I said, cheerio then. And they, they were like awkward looking at each other. And I went, oh, I got to go. It's going to take me four and a half hours to get home. So I got to go, you know. So anyway, I get outside and then halfway back I get a phone call from him haven't you looked at it I said yeah that's an absolute joke I won't be taking that so by the time I got home he rung back and said uh, well we want to offer I said well I won't be taking that so it's a shame I could have worked for you and he went well can you come up tomorrow because we'd like to talk to you so there we go it's weird isn't it could have got a hotel I mean it's 18 hours of driving and all I know I was absolutely Christmas crackered as well. Seriously, I think it took me six hours on the way up and about five and a half on the way back. Eleven and a half hours. And then what he offered me was like, that's why he looked so weird. Cause, and I didn't give him any, any idea whether I was happy or unhappy. So that's, that's the weirdest interview. Talking of Blackpool, James O'Rourke says, tell me a random story involving Richard Kingston. A random story. The goalkeeper, yeah, it was uh We we took him as if he was never gonna play. Right? Because he was a sort of third choice and I had injuries to the, the first two and all of a sudden he had to play. Suddenly he's in the you know, he looked all right for someone who could be on your bench or you know, but oh my god, and then it turned out that his wife had a 
a voodoo spell on him. And she sent us a letter apologising that when he played, she'd, she had uh, put a spell on him to that she feels cost us because he'd been disrespectful to her. And that's the voodoo way of doing things. So good gracious me. But um, so random don't, don't come <laughs> come to it. Do you know what I mean? I I still I we miss jokes with jokes in goal for us. We uh we had twenty eight points in the first half of the season. Second half of the season we only got eleven. And I'm not blaming Mr. Kingston at all. I blame his wife. <laughs> that's fair enough. I think. Um, voodoo magic. You don't want to mess about with it, do you? No, you don't. No. Swimmer Steve says... Swimmer Steve? Yeah, he says, would you rather have dicks for fingers or a finger for a dick? <laughs> Steve, you've got the worst mind I've ever seen. Not this Steve. Not that Swimmer Steve. Steve. Although, I don't know. I'd rather have dicks for fingers. Would you? Yeah. You yeah. want a finger for a dick, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, you wouldn't, would you? Picking up a hot cup of coffee would be painful. No, it wouldn't. be rather exciting. <laughs> <laughs> rather stimulating. <laughs> I think I'd stick to cold drinks. Moving swiftly on. Um, You've got to move swiftly on. What sort of <laughs> question's that? <laughs> Absolute chicken nugget with double barbecued sauce, whoever you are, swimmer Steve. The only thing is, though, just to kind of double back on that, if you are picking up a... Um, cold drink your fingers are shrink <laughs> depends how cold it is how do they come up with this that is just weird you are you need a life mate you got to get out more i know covid's out there but go out for a run seriously back on football jack green says who is the one player who you've tried to sign but for some reason slipped the net i tried to get leon mckenzie Right, he scored against us when I was at QPR and I tried to get him. I missed him twice. Uh, I felt me and him would, got on, would have got on great. I liked his aggression and I felt he could have done us the world of good. Um, the one that annoyed me the most was um, Benatia. Flew over to, in the ice, I flew, <laughs> flew over to France got on a train went and saw this fella watched him for five minutes thought that's br I've been looking for a centre half for ages Carl Oyston refused to do the deal in the end thought it, and he went on to be the player he is and when he scored the winner or one of the goals in the in the Champions League final I had to ring Carl and said see look look at him <laughs> but everybody's got a story about missing out on on things you know um, whether we'd have got them or not, but um, from Fleetwood to Blackpool, Jamie Vardy, but he he went to Leicester because Carl wouldn't wouldn't pay the money. I don't know whether he would have come to us, but he'd probably gone to Leicester. But look at Leicester since he's gone there, and look at what Jamie's done. So you know, at the end of the day, my old mate Mickey Mellon, who's doing brilliantly up in Scotland. He told me he's going to play for England, this kid. How right was he? Well done, Jamie Vardy. There's a bit of a theme with you missing out on players at Blackpool and Carl not paying what you want. Yeah, that's life. My job was to make him 
pay them more money. Good managers make people spend more than they really want to. That's what I'm saying. You know, if you look at people who have success, you know, I'm sure the Portsmouth fans will be saying, look at what Harry did for us. And then after it, they've had to pick up the bills for that and maybe it didn't do them any good, but they won the FA Cup. So, you know, it's a fine balance between forcing them to spend money, making them spend probably what they're not comfortable with and getting the players right and being successful. So, you know, at the end of the day, for me, the best manager, in the, best managers in the world end up spending an awful lot of money and it ain't easy to do it. You know, if you do it, you've got to be successful. That's why they are the best. And it's all right saying, you know, you talk about Man City and Guardiola and he spent fortunes on a right back, but he got that right back right. They won the title and he won it two years in a row. So he's got it right. You've got to get it right when you spend. And if you don't immediately in that level, you're not there, are you? They still get sacked. You know, Mourinho's got sacked. If Mourinho can get sacked, if Pochettino can get sacked, then God help the rest of us. That's a fact. So, you know, it's not ever easy. But, you know, life's about having the knowledge of the level that you're in to get you a better team than you had when you started. And, you know, going back to my last adventure, I didn't do that. And I'm not blaming anything. COVID didn't help, but I blame myself and a lack of knowledge of that level and the players at that level who would have helped me win games there you know so it's the same at the very very top and it's the same at the very very bottom and it looks easy from outside because when you all play this uh, FIFA and all that happy days you've all got a Messi in your team you've all got a Ronaldo you can all have a gold one or a bl you know what I mean it's ridiculous wouldn't it be great if we could clone players it's and the we future, could all have it? is it the future yeah I hope not. Uh, another one. Kieran says, how good is it seeing Charlie Austin in the hoops again this season? Brilliant. That's another one who I'd have loved to have signed. Um, Charlie, absolutely different class. Hopefully he'll pick up his scoring boots because he just needs to, to play on a regular basis. And I think that's a brilliant signing. Fantastic. Well done. When, you, you, when you're signing a player, how much, how much is character important? to you because you said you uh, and when you're talking about McKenzie you thought you'd get on with him I mean is that a deciding factor for you their character and how, well, or your relationship most important bit of it you need to know what you need in that area what what are you looking for are you looking for pace are you looking for power are you looking for touch are you looking for skill looking for a brain whatever you want You, you it, it needs to be part and parcel of it you need a balance but it's all about that character. What is he like when he don't get what he wants? What does he do? What are his habits? Because what you want is energizers. You don't want energy sappers. You want energizers in your team. And for me, Charlie, he never stopped chasing, never stopped working, but you knew he was going to score. The QPR fans believed he was going to score, so he helped our team score goals even on a presence before the game of, hang on a minute, they got Charlie, you know? And um, coming from non-league like he did and to rise as quickly as he did, oh, full of admiration for the kid. Well done. Delighted he's gone back there. Someone called Bleakster says, did you feel the need to become more serious when you got promoted to the Premiership with Crystal Palace 
And did that maybe change your approach to the job? I I didn't last long enough to tell, really. <laughs> um, I think I had to be a bit more serious with everything at Par Palace because Palace was run that way. I never had so many staff in my life. Did it suit me? Was it was it really me? I I was asked to change the way of playing. Um, and two managers, three managers after me couldn't do it. Tony Pulis played the way that they, they were happy with when they brought in the famous Dutch coach. Lads weren't having it. Pardew tried to change that way to football. Weren't having it. They're still trying to get there now under Roy. And, you know, maybe you could argue they are. They can retain the ball a little bit more. They do play quite nice football now. But, sorry, they were... It was you have it, we'll defend and we'll counter-attack for me. But, you know, as I say, I was very pleased. And the honesty that I had at the time to say that I'm not sure I can keep you up, but Tony Pulis can. Why don't you give it to him? They took about four or five weeks to give it to him, didn't they? But look at the job he did at the end. So, um, Oh, I waffled on there. What was his question? <laughs> We about you being more serious because I guess when you went up with Blackpool, there was kind of there was always a soundbite and an interview with you, which kind of people really engaged with and really reacted with. But I guess there was a slightly different Ian Holloway when you went yeah, up with Palace. That, when I first went up, we were winning. We won our first game four 0 So you know, for me, I, there was nothing I could lose when I went until the, the the very last but one game we ended up in the relegation zone. When you get in the relegation zone in the Premier League, you are hounded completely and utterly rubbished and hounded by the press like you won't believe from if the game's Saturday it don't stop till Wednesday and then it starts again right so let me give you an example Sheffield United right the last three four seasons have been absolutely outstanding two in a row that the manager was either manager of the season or runner up right and now they're rubbish I don't think so I really don't that's totally disrespectful. I think the manager's still brilliant. They could even get out of this now. I never had that at Blackpool. We were, oh, look at them. They're taking on teams. And really, i got to say the sun got me out of the shite because they said they're going to be the worst team ever. And I used that from the start of the season to the finish of the season to try and ram it down their throat. They said we wouldn't get 10 points. You know, we got 10 wins in the end. Just missed out by, by one. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I felt totally like I could float on water there because my owner made me feel that way, you know, as well. And that's why I got I got slaughtered by oyster this, oyster that. You, you stuck up for him. What could I say? He gave me the job. He made me feel comfortable in it. And he let me express myself. And look what happened. That was part of him doing it, you know. And the fans hated him in the end. But... You know, and at the end of the day, what he was doing wasn't what I wanted him to do, which I wanted to share it all out and give it out to the lads who did for and he didn't want it. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's why I was like that. With Palace, was I was struggling with a club that felt they should be there. It's totally different. They feel they should be there, and they were right to feel that way. Look at what they've done since. You know, would they have done that if I was still hanging on there I don't think so because me and those lads the way I wanted to play they didn't really want to play they weren't comfortable at having it they weren't on about opening up and playing and people say 
playing out from the back. It's not that. It's retaining possession and moving it and moving it to an area where you've got an overload. It's not playing out. Someone preparing dinner next door. Are they? <laughs> Does that answer it? Have I waffled on? No, there? that's perfect. Thank you. Um, let's just do. I'd say let's. One more. Should we one more? Yeah, one more. Let's make it a good one. Thomas Hurst says, who would you say is the best captain you've worked with at any club? Another unfair question, you know, but the best or the good. You know, I, I've been absolutely privileged to, I mean, Rovers, Andy Tilson was magnificent. I used to call him the catalogue man. He used to walk in and he was immaculate all the time. You know what I mean? He looked like a, you put a bit of gear on him and, someone would want to buy it he looks smooth you know but it's really unfair to pick one but you know is that what he's asking me just one just what yeah. you got to do yeah, yeah just so the way it, it works yeah is I that mean, it I mean what you could you could you've named one already you could name I'm just saying Andy you could, you could name there, right? two but, more oh my god how many you know obviously I I had Yuli was captain at, at Blackpool and then Charlie was vice captain and you know but really um, oh yeah it's like picking your favourite oh, no, child, I was isn't at, it? I have to say Jedernak, you know, at, at Crystal Palace. But Jedernak was, he, he was just every, the person that I wanted to be. I, I want, you know, I've always been a little fella, you know, but I felt like I was, I'm like a Jack Russell, but I'm in a, I feel I'm a Rottweiler, you know what I mean? Whereas he's built like a Rottweiler and he just had an, a presence about him that, oi, you, boomf. And I would love to be like that. And I'm not, so, you know, but he understood where I was and what I wanted and he understood where his teammates were and what they wanted and what they were comfortable with and he, he really helped me at that time, you know. He helped me understand where Palace were and and he'd bark at the right people for me at the right time and and make sure, oi, you, right, because I was very different to what they were used to. Dougie had a rotor, it was all organised, it was all this, and you had to do it and you had to be it. And, and then I was a little bit more off the cuff. I, you know, I, I like I like to talk about things and philosophy about what he's thinking and what are you doing and where can we be and if they're going to get there, why can't we do that? Have you looked at these? And I'd be going off of peace rather than sticking to who we're against. Because that team liked that. They like to know exactly what, we had, we had analysts at that club that I'd never had in my life. And they would have a passing pattern of the opposition and we've got to put someone there because when he gets it, that's where it, you know, and that's how we went up in the end. I did exactly, I had to learn what they did without the ball and when we won it and what we did to counter-attack then because at Blackpool, we, had, we were a possession-based team. That's why I'm so proud of what we did. We were a possession-based team and as Arsene Wenger said after he beat me 6-0, what are you going to do when you cannot have possession of the ball? Is he from? <laughs> I don't know. That was his question to me, and I went, I don't know. The next time I saw him, I said, I'm going to study your passing patterns, and I'm going to block you off, and I'm going to counterattack. He went, good answer. But I didn't know that, and I didn't want to do that. My team couldn't do that. Do you see what I mean? So Bournemouth, when they went up, they stayed up, they, did, they had to play their style. So any pundit who says, oh, why don't you do this now? Why don't you do that now? You don't know what you're talking about. As a manager, you can't coach one thing and then suddenly swip, flip it and change, right? 
Sheffield United cannot now not play the way that they've played over it because that's what how they've been practicing. You cannot change that, can you? So, Arsene also crazy. famously said, though, it's better to lose one game six nil than six games one nil. Did he? Right, he have you just have made that up, haven't you? <laughs> Where has he gone? He's gone. <laughs> we might have to do some research, but if well, he hasn't oh, said, yeah, we'll that would it. be handy, <laughs> wouldn't it? We're going to do a podcast. You come up has... with something that don't make any sense. If he said it, we'll keep it in, and I'll sound very knowledgeable. No, if no. he hasn't said it, we'll cut it out. That was the only thing he said to me through his red wine. Well, what? I don't know what everything he said to you, but I'm saying I, I'm pretty sure I heard him say. I actually said back to him, you were lucky because we had a man sent off because we had to beat you. Because we should have gone 1-0 up. Gary Taylor Fletcher headed one. They, and honestly, the crowd went, <gasps> you know, at the time. And then we go 1-0 down and Everett gets, Ian Everett sticks a foot out, gets sent off. So they go 2-0. And we, game over. We were lucky it was only six. That's the end of that episode. Thoroughly enjoyed it, Steve. Yeah. Nice to get out of the house, isn't it? Yeah. Homeschooling. Oh, God, don't. <laughs> any ideas for the next one? Or like, if anyone's got any suggestions for the next, what we talk about next? Or... For me, right, what I want to say, yeah, I, I, I got life's experience. I got deaf kids. I got all sorts of things, you know, and I got some views and the world's driving me crazy at the minute. The world according to Ollie will be one half be good. So just ask, you can ask me about anything. What do, what do I think Boris should do? Because... Oh, I got some opinions and I got to get them out there. Seriously, you know, we used to be at a good and a pub and have a chat and have a laugh and do, you know, I used to talk to me mates till I was blue in the face. So if you've got some questions about what would you do about this, I'd love to talk about it. And then maybe it'll help us get out of this nightmare.